we're going to progress this morning towards um, kind of a theme that uh, we're working with in our morning Bible studies and a few of those. And in particular here, we're talking about protecting or looking after our hearts. So Proverbs 4 is where we're going to be. So if you'd like to turn there, feel free to do so. If you don't have a Bible, well, number one, if you don't have a Bible, if you'd let me know, we'd like to get one for you. So you can study it for yourself Monday through Saturday or Sunday through Saturday and mark it up and just make it your own. Um, we believe it's powerful, right? Lots of books we can give you, but we'd love to put that in your hand. We believe it's transformative. So if you don't have one, let us know. Uh, if you didn't bring it today, you can follow along here in just a few minutes. We'll read about eight verses uh, as we start this thought of guard your heart. So initially I'd like to talk though and I want you to think with me just for a few moments here how the, how the Creator has crafted you and I. Right? I mean, do you believe when David said he was fearfully and wonderfully made, do you believe you're fearfully and wonderfully made? We'll probably talk about that a little bit more next Sunday. But he said that he was fearfully and wonderfully made and his soul knew that full well. And when I think about the human body, it just blows me away. And it, it's one of those things to me that helps build my confidence and a creator, right? I mean, just the thought of trying to throw everything that we are down and to see if it can kind of create itself and form itself and come into what you and I know right here as human beings, it just seems absurd that that could possibly happen in any way. And so the way our body has order and how it functions together, it just speaks uh, encouragement to me, confidence to me that my God is this God who's created it all and he's still the God who holds it together and sustains it all. But think about the eyes for a minute. Aren't the eyes amazing? I mean, they're, they're irreplaceable. They're, they can't be duplicated. I mean, we can make cameras and things like that. But to just put something in that's exactly like what's there is just, it's amazing. And you know, we can see colors and people and just all sorts of things. I mean, the eye is amazing. But where is the eye located? Right? It's on the front of our face, right? You know that. Have you ever had something get in your eye? You know how irritating that is? Maybe you sit there and you rub your eye for a while and it waters. You ever had to flush your eye out? And they make these little systems. I had, one day I had got like a piece of tree bark or something in my eye. And man, I kept flushing and flushing and flushing. I couldn't get it out. And it was just irritating me for days. Uh, see, the eye, as amazing as it is, it's extremely unprotected, right? It's just right here on the front of our face. The ears or something else that just kind of blow me away. When you think about right now, you're hearing, well, your ears are sensing vibrations that are twitching these few little bones in your ears that are sending impulses to your brain that translate those vibrations into words. And so when I say, Nod your head up and down. Right? We do it, right? Because, because we can hear and it's just translating that for It's just, they're amazing. They're just absolutely amazing. However, they're on the outside of our head. Have you ever had damage to an ear? You know, some of you have played baseball or softball. You ever been hit in the head with a ball? Man, that hurts. You ever had a sunburn on your ears? Man, they get all crispy up here. Oh, it hurts. It feels terrible. And so... All these great things that God has given us, and we could go on to talk about arms and legs and hands and feet and all these wonderful things that God has blessed us with in this human body, 
and yet they are totally unprotected, right? Anybody can walk up to you and poke your eye. Anybody can come up to you and pull your ear, right? Or as kids, what we'd do is we'd lick our finger and stick it in other people's ears. Remember that? That was real hygienic, wasn't it? Wet willies to everybody. That's how we'll dismiss you today. <laughs> no thank you, right? <laughs> all right, so all these things are unprotected. But when it comes to the heart, what we see in God's creation of the body is that he has went to the nth degree to protect the most important part of the body, the heart, right? And so it's buried within the core of us. It has this protective tissue that lines it. Uh, and matter of fact, it's hidden within a cage, Right? What do you put in cages? Right, so typically things that somehow we want to either be protected from. Right? So right now all around this country there are men and women, boys and girls, in facilities behind bars because we feel that they are detrimental to society. And so we're protecting society from them. So we put them in cages. Other things we put in cages to protect them themselves. And so that's the, that's the picture of our heart here. God has put it within a cage to give it the deepest and greatest protection that he possibly could. Uh, so within the blueprint of God's creation, we see his attention to detail of the heart. You know, back, in, um, back when people would battle with swords and spears and javelins and arrows, knives, the heaviest piece of armor that was worn by a soldier, you know what it was? I'm sure you do. Yeah, it was the breastplate. And the breastplate would come from basically your neck and it would come all the way down to your torso here, your waist. And you had a belt that you'd put on. The bottom of that breastplate had like metal loops in it. And you would tie these leather straps to your belt, right? So it was connecting your armor together. They said that thing would weigh like maybe upwards of 40 pounds, usually made out of solid brass, right? So what was the purpose of that? It was to protect what was most important, right? To protect the heart. So, yeah, they'd have things on their feet and they'd have them on their legs and some armor on their arms and a helmet on their head, but the most important thing was the breastplate, right? It's what protected them from all those things that seek to harm them. So, in how we do battle, you see police officers today and they're dressed head to toe, but they've got Kevlar and they've got a lot of it where? It's all across their chest, right? Because they're protecting the heart. So, we understand the importance of Protecting the heart. I want you to think with me for a minute. What if God had put our hearts on our hands? Bad decision, right? I mean, think about how many times you fell as a toddler. I'm sure you remember that. Or how many times have you scraped your hand? How many times have you bruised your hand? How many times have you cut your hand or done something to your hand that was damaging? Right? What if our heart had been there? Well, it would have been punctured. It would have been scraped. It would have been cut. It would have been wounded. It would have been broken, damaged if he had put it there. And sometimes we say he or she wears their heart on their sleeve. What if that was literal? You know, it's here. Just think what kind of clothes we would wear. Wouldn't that look goofy? Right? So you got a shoulder here and then you got a heart, you know, here, whichever side it was. And it'd be normal, but in our day and time now, think about it, that'd be silly. Think about how many things you rub up against. Or you, anybody, well, I don't need to know that, but if we sleep on our sides, right, then you think, oh, how awkward or how uncomfortable, how much pressure that would put on that, right? So God didn't put it on our hands. He didn't put it on our sides. He put it where it could be protected and it could sustain 
life. See, the truth of the matter is, you and I can live without eyes. We may not want to, but we can. And we can live without the ability to hear. We may not want to. People do it every day. Right? And we can live without arms. I was watching a guy uh, who was the world record holder for the longest archery shot on target. What that means is somebody didn't just shoot and it went a mile and they hit whatever, nothing. There was a target they put 935 feet away and this guy hit it. All right? He has no arms. So he draws this bow, he holds it with his feet, draws it with his mouth, locks it in. And whenever he's ready to release, he's got a release in the corner of his mouth and he'll bite his mouth and the thing will take off. It's amazing, right? And so here you've got a guy who's got no arms, but he can still function. We could have no legs and still function, right? Still be living. But if our heart is damaged or if our heart is cut or if our heart gets to a point where it no longer beats, then we cease to live, right? And so all I'm really trying to say up front is if God has taken such or went to such great lengths to take such great care of our heart by burying it deep within us and hiding it within a cage, what he's doing is demonstrated in part how far we should go to protect our soul. How far we should go, uh, as Paul would say, the inner man. Or as Solomon's going to say, to guard our heart. Right? It's not the organ that's pumping the blood. It's the soul. It's the core. It's the real you. And it's the real me. All right? So Proverbs chapter 4. Let's go that direction. I'm going to find here a guy. Wisest man who would ever live. And he's going to give us some counsel on how to guard our heart. All right, what you and I should do. So verse 20 through 27, he's talking to his son. And he says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. Now previously he had told him already twice, hear me and listen to me. And now he's going to say, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight, but keep them within your heart. For their life to those who find them and their health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And keep your mouth free of perversity, and keep corrupt talk far from your lips. And let your eyes look straight ahead, and fix your gaze directly before you, and give careful thought to the past for your feet, and be steadfast in all your ways. And do not turn to the right or to the left, and keep your foot from evil. Okay? So good advice here. I mean, Mother's Day, mothers have imparted all sorts of wisdom and advice. I'm sure if we took time to go around the room this morning, you could share something that your mom always said. Right? My mom always said this. And you may not remember hundreds of things, but you remember this thing. Or she always did something this specific way. Whether it's how she folded clothes, or how she prepared food, or how she interacted with a neighbor, how she tried to love you or care for you. You remember those things. All right? So Solomon here is saying to his son, here's some things you've got to hang on to, son. Right, here's some things you've got to hang on to. And so, in particular, we're talking about guarding our heart. Let's see what we're going to hang on to here. Three things we'll note as we progress through today. All right? So, number one is this. We're going to guard our heart as we pay attention, specifically here, to wisdom. Pay attention to wisdom. So, we've talked before about living in a distracted world. Anybody distracted? Like right now? Nope? Okay, good. You ever been distracted in here? Uh, yeah, we all have. Me too, right? 
So it happens. We get distracted and we understand that. We've talked through that a couple times before. But I've seen it happen many times for me. And I've seen it happen many times for others in this room as well. So sometimes a light will flicker. And it just draws your attention away just for maybe 15 seconds. Right? This light back here over our back entryway. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. So in the middle of a service, it pops on and it just draws my attention. And I just get sidetracked just for a moment. And it's like, oh yeah, we're, there's actually something going on here. All right? A spider web. You ever seen a spider web in here? Yeah, so sometimes they kind of float by. And we've seen them like hanging here, but there is one in the room. All right? And so now you're distracted the whole rest of the service, right? Where is it? All right. Well, if you find it, uh, you can tell me after the service. Please, just make sure it's after the service. An annoying tickle in your throat. You ever had that? Trying not to cough, but you know, and the more you try to hold it in, the more you sit there. And, and it's just like, I don't want to get up because I don't want to be distracting, but I can't pay attention because I feel like i got to cough my head off. And so sometimes things like that get us distracted. Uh, what about a vibrating phone? Ever been distracted by a phone or somebody who's sitting in a pew with you, their phone? That's why I don't carry mine. Because it's got different reminders and people know that I pastor and some people do it just to be funny. And so they'll send me a text about 1130. You know, hey, Corey, what are you doing? I'm preaching. Leave me alone. Right? And so sometimes little things like that can get us distracted. So you pull your phone out and see who's texting you. And before you know, two or three minutes have passed and you've just disengaged. Right? We just got distracted. Uh, I teach some sixth grade students. Man, every five seconds or five minutes, they're just like, they get easily distracted. And so here we're talking about the importance of paying attention. You know, sometimes we'll have a random thought fly through our head. You ever had that happen? You're sitting here and you're really trying to gauge, and I'm really trying to follow what you're saying today, but, and I just start thinking about what's going on the rest of the day or a trip that I'm looking forward to or something that's coming up, and I can get distracted. Somebody snoring can be a little bit distracting, just so you know. Sometimes people roam the hallway, and you guys don't see it, but for me that's distracting. I'll see somebody come in and they're at that door, then they're at that door, and if they get to that door, I get a little concerned, and they may come back this door, and it's just like it makes it difficult to pay attention. Right? Sometimes we can get easily distracted. So it doesn't take a whole lot to get us to the point where we're not paying attention. And knowing this, there's a business right now, and they're making a killing. And I don't know if you've heard of this business, but they're making these little things called fidget spinners. Have you heard of a fidget spinner? They come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. It's this little ball bearing thing. And you hold it between your hands and they've got different shapes. But you just sit there and you spin it. And it's for the fidgety child is what it's supposed to be for. So to help them pay attention, they need something in their hands so they can stay focused. Now we might say that sounds like the exact opposite. I've got a student that had three and he gave me one about a month ago. And so in that class with him, I just spin it and teach. And honestly, I like teaching with something in my hands. All right? It just gives me comfort. I like to talk. I like to walk when I talk. It just helps me think better. And so most of the time, if I'm on a phone call with you, lots of times when we hang up, I'm in the parking lot. How did I get outside? I don't know. But sure enough, I am. Or I'm in the back of the building. How did I get here? I don't remember leaving my office, but here I am. All right? So movement or things like that can help us sometimes stay focused. But they're making a killing off these things. 25 bucks a pop for a little fidget spinner, right? Somebody's just cashing in real good. Well, why are these things necessary? They're necessary for the advice that Solomon gave to his son. 
because we have a hard time sometimes paying attention, right? I hear voices, I hear those words, but attaching truth to those words or letting that get deeper within me where I'm really focused and trying to uh, absorb what it is that's being said can be difficult. And so because we get sidetracked, here's what he says. My son, pay attention to what I say. Your parents ever tell you that? Pay attention. Come on. Turn your ear to my words. Don't let them out of your sight, but keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and they are health to one's whole body. And so here Solomon says, you want a healthy body? What have you got to do? You've got to pay attention to all my words. Right? Lots of good things on this planet. Lots of good medications. Right? You can take a medication that's good for your cholesterol, but it may not be good for your heart. Or you take a medication that's good for your heart, but it may not be good for water retention. And so then you take this water pill, but it's not good in other areas, right? There's just always, it helps this, but it hurts this. Well, you'll never come to the Word of God and find where it helps here, but it hurts you there. And so Solomon says, if you'll pay attention to my words, it affects every part of life, and it will be good in every part of your life. And so listen, hide them, he said, within your heart. Pay attention to wisdom. And here in the beginning of Proverbs, wisdom is personified as a, as a person, right? It's... Wisdom is speaking. And so here it's going to talk about applying this to our life. And very simply, we said last week, wisdom is applied knowledge. We can know a lot of things and not do them, right? We can know what's good for us and not do it. We can make different choices there. But here Solomon says, pay attention to my words. Let them serve you as wisdom. So today we're seeing when I live with wisdom, I'm really working to guard my heart. Not just knowing what to do, but actually doing it. I'm guarding my heart. I'm protecting my soul. I'm developing my inner man. And so it's good for me not to just know, but it's good for me to apply. So think of it this way. Have you ever said, I know I should, but? A few of you? Me as well, right? I know I should, but... And you fill in the blank. And there's probably lots of times we've said that, or just the opposite. I know I shouldn't. I know this isn't good for me. I know I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to go ahead and do it just this one time. Okay? When we do that, what we are becoming is willing participators in really working to destroy our heart. We're devaluing the very thing that we should be protecting the most. And so my inner man becomes damaged. It becomes burdened. It becomes selfish. It gets impure simply because I know I shouldn't, but. I know I shouldn't, but. Now, would that be dumb? You're talking to me. I'm not asking you to say you're dumb. I'm asking you to say it to me. Corey, if you said you know you should do something, but you're not going to do it, would that be dumb? Yeah, all right? Listen, I need people in my life saying that to me. We, we need that kind of stuff. That's not a good decision. And when I fail to pay attention to wisdom, that's exactly what I'm being. I'm being dumb. And so I'm willing to expose my heart to danger simply because I'm unwilling to pay attention. So easily distracted means my heart's unguarded. Easily distracted by saying, I don't really care. I'm going to do it anyway. Puts me in position to be destroyed. And so let's pay attention here, Solomon says. Pay attention to wisdom. All right, let's go number two here. We're going to guard our heart also as, we're going to, as we prioritize the influence that it has over our life. 
That is, as we make it most important. So how many of you have things you need to get done this week? Anybody got a to-do list? Doctor's appointments and stuff to get done for school and jobs and maybe work on your house. You know, you're going to see somebody. You've got family coming in town, going to a ball game, whatever. We've all got all sorts of maybe appointments or things that we would say need to get done. And I would bet that there are some things in your life that you'd say are more important than others this week, right? So if I can't get this done, I will get that done. Does that make sense? So we probably need to mow our grass this week. Maybe you've got a doctor's appointment. Would you miss your doctor's appointment to mow your yard? Right? We might if, we wanna, if we're anticipating bad news or we're not excited about what's about to take place. But if it's important to us, there's no way we would do that. Right? Yeah, mowing my yard needs to happen, but not at the expense of me not going to the doctor. Right? I need to prioritize the things that I need to get done this week. Or maybe you've got you know, a final. I know some of you are in school, and some, a lot of us have been in school, but you also want to finish a TV series that you've been watching. And what's a better choice to make? Hey, from my perspective, no, I finished the series. No, we'd make the priority of saying the final matters, right? I can watch this show the next day. I can watch it this weekend, but I only have this one moment to take this final. So I'm going to lock in. I'm going to get focused. I'm going to give it a higher priority than the TV show. And we do this because some things are just simply more important than others. Lots of things to get done. Some of them really don't matter, but some things do. And so we might call these things that do matter, we could call them non-negotiables. You got some non-negotiables in your life? I mean, these are just some, I'm going to get this done. This will happen. Well, within our text here, Solomon's going to give us a non-negotiable here today. This is verse 23. All right? Above all else. So what's above this? What's of greater priority, of more importance than what he's about to say? Nothing. Above all else, everything that I've just said to you and everything that follows, above all of it, do this, son. Guard your heart. You say, well, shouldn't I share the gospel? Above all things, guard your heart. Yeah, but shouldn't I attend church? Okay, above all things, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. That is, the influence that the heart has reaches everywhere. There's not a place that what's within the soul of a person that isn't touched as it relates to our life. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So we've all said we've got to-do lists this week, things, appointments, we've got to get done. How many of us have on our list, guard your heart? Mow the grass, finish school, get gas in the car, repay a friend, whatever your things are, guard your heart. Mine wouldn't be listed that way, and maybe yours isn't listed that way either, but I would venture a guess if you would say this, a non-negotiable in my life is that I'm going to spend time with the Lord every day. I'm going to be in His Word, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to listen, and I'm going to meditate and try to get to know Him. You didn't write down Monday, Corey, guard your heart, but in essence, that's what you're doing. Because you're taking to heart just what we talked about, the words that God has given. So I would suggest to you, if that's part of your daily routine, you're working to guard your heart. 
If you hear the Word of God Sunday to Sunday, or if you hear the God, Word of God from when you come here till the next time you come here, I'd say, friend, your cage is wide open. It's like you've got your heart on your hand. And it's easily damaged. It's easily punctured. It's easily wounded. It's easily led astray. Have a non-negotiable. And here one of those would be, I'm going to spend time in the Word of God. What about gathering with other believers? Is that non-negotiable for you? And that's one of those things in our house that was non-negotiable, right? And I would say that's one of those things you should nail down. Make it a non-negotiable. I'm going to gather with other believers even when it's not convenient, even when I don't feel like it, even when I've got other things to do. You're always going to have other things to do just like I am. There's a ton of stuff I could be doing today and feel like I'm making progress. And yet I wouldn't be guarding my heart at all. See, maybe you didn't write down guard your heart, but maybe on there it would say, I'm committed to the people that God has connected me with. Then what I would say to you is, you're working to guard your heart. Right? Because you're surrounding yourself with people who believe in you and who are for you and who are praying with you and looking to equip you and uh, are just partnered in life there together. I would say if you find yourself knowing quickly when you're being tempted, right, or knowing quickly when you should close your mouth. We talked about that in our morning study this morning. Having that little prodding within you that says, oh, just hush. You guys have that? Oh, no, no, don't say that. No, don't, it, don't repeat it. You know, you don't know? So sometimes I want to say some things. And sometimes what I need is that little voice saying, no, you, you can't say that. That's not good for anybody. Sometimes I want to react in a way that's not bringing glory to God. It's not God honoring. And so I need someone's spirit saying to me, no, 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 we can't do that. And so where you have that quick kind of impulse, where you have that voice in your ear telling you, whoa, you might say, I'm not guarding my heart. I'd say, I, I, I would beg to differ with you. The Spirit of God is working to protect you from damage or from wounding maybe yourself or from somebody else. And so when Solomon says, work to guard your heart above all else, I believe there's all sorts of things we can do. He doesn't say live in a bubble. All right? These are some ways that we can work to guard our heart. Top priority, right? It extends to every area of our life. If everything we do flows from our hearts, it just makes sense that we work hard to guard it. Anybody ever had like a heart palpitation? Kind of a heartbeat, maybe out of rhythm? You ever had heart pain? Right? A lot of you had that. You know, when you and I have those things, we feel that all across our body, don't we? Right? When the heart's beating normal, beating good, strong, we really don't think about it. Right? Because it's the way that it should be. And so here he's saying the exact same thing. Everything in your life will flow from the soul, the inner man. And if it's unhealthy, if it's damaged, if it's unprotected, if it's not being guarded, then everything you and I touch, every influence that we leave on every person, could potentially be damaging to that person. That's why he says it's extremely important. Above all else, don't put money in a plate. Don't just sing a song. Above all else, make sure you're guarding your heart. 
for from it flows everything. Its influence reaches further than anything that you and I will ever experience here. And then three, we're going to guard our heart and we've got to make our mind up about some things. Determine that you're, you're going to do some things and you're going to say some things and then you're not going to do and say some things as well. So sometimes my mind just needs to be made up so that when I'm faced with an opportunity to sin, to give in to temptation, I've already made a decision about that. And I'm not going there. I'm not going to have that conversation. I'm not going to let my eyes wander. I'm not going to think that thought. You know why? Because I've predetermined that I'm not going to do it. And if I wait, well, I'll just kind of see how I feel in the moment. Man, that goes horribly wrong. Right? You ever found yourself on the backside of sin going, how did I get here? The backside of giving in to temptation. Like, man, that happened quick. Like, how did this happen? Maybe because somewhere I hadn't predetermined that this is what I would and would not do. And so here's some advice that he gives in this area. Some things to determine to do. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left, but keep your foot from evil. Right? What is he saying here to his son? You've got to go ahead and make your mind up about some things. Because when the opportunity comes, if you and I have not already made up my, our mind, you know, we can find ourselves in a, in a world of hurt. Damage to our heart, damage to someone else. Maybe damage that's irreparable, um, that has temporary consequences, that is, as long as we walk this planet. And so here he's saying, here's some things you've got to do. So let's work through a few of these. He says, go ahead and determine that there's some things that you're not going to say. Go ahead and determine that there's a way of talking that you're just not going to participate in. Right? And you say, well, that's, that's really perverse. Okay. People can talk that way, but I'm not going to participate in that. Not because I'm holier than you or think I'm better than you, but because it's wisdom not to do that. Because when I get involved in that, I'm not guarding my heart. It's foolishness. Like, tell me, if we passed out knives to everybody this morning, how many of you would take a knife and just jab it into your heart? You'd say, oh, that's dumb. That's foolish. Nobody would do that. Then why engage in perverting, perverted talking? It's just like you're taking a dagger and sticking it in your heart. Oh, no. Yes, it is. It's worse. I mean, this heart's temporary. The soul, this thing is eternal. Above all else, he says, guard it. So be careful about what you talk about. Be careful not to get involved in corrupt talk. You know, things like gossip. You know, Proverbs says that gossip's like that choice morsel. You think about the food that you could eat at any moment. The food that you could eat when you were stuffed to the gills. You got that food? At least one bite, right? He says, that's what gossip is like. I'll take it any day. And I'll take it at any time. You know, we tend to bathe gossip with prayer. At least at face value. You'll never believe what he did. You know what I heard him say? You know what he's not doing? I'll pray for him. All right? Prayer doesn't have anything to do with it. It's, it's gossip. Sometimes that's where we're at. And so doing our hearts unguarded. Talking about cursing. 
and letting anything come out that doesn't represent or doesn't reflect Christ well. What's the point of that? And I get it, it happens. And Solomon didn't say be perfect at this. He said this is your aim. This is your goal. This is what we're after. And so let's not settle, but let's make sure that we're headed that direction. Uh, what about lying? You ever found yourself in a convenient spot to tell a lie? Do you know how fast you were going? No, sir, no, sir. I have no idea how fast I was going. When I saw the lights, I looked down and I saw exactly how fast I was going. Sometimes it's convenient to tell a lie. Right? When we're being pressured, when we feel like, oh, I've been caught, or we feel like I'm in the middle of a friendship. Did you know they, oh, I didn't know that. When really, yeah, I did know that. And so just to save face, I found it convenient to tell just a little white lie. It's like taking a dagger and shoving it in your chest. We're not guarding our heart when we don't watch our tongue. You know, James talks a lot about the tongue. He says it's like a spark that can just set the whole forest on fire. And I've seen that. You ever been the spark initiator? Throw it out there and it just all, it all breaks loose. And it just, everything is rage at this point. Why? Because I couldn't just keep my mouth closed. Guard your heart above all else because it touches every part of your life. And so he's talking about the tongue. He says, watch your mouth. He also talks about the eyes. He says, don't allow your eyes to wander. And so we could think about lust here. One of the leading businesses in our country this day is internet pornography. I mean, it's a billion dollar industry. Right? And people can look at this without any accountability whatsoever. Any piece of technology that can access the internet, no accountability. You can just surf to your heart's content. People say, well, nobody knows that I'm doing that. Yeah, but you're ruining your heart. And remember, your heart touches every part of your life. And so somewhere with an unguarded heart, it's going to be exposed. If you're married, it's damaging your relationship with your spouse. Or if you're not married, it's going to damage the way you think about your future spouse, your children, how we look at others that we have not made vows to or committed to. Pay attention, son. Guard your eyes. Because it leads to all sorts of evil. Maybe it's not lust. Maybe it's materialism. You ever look at something and go, man, I've got to get that. I've got to have one of those. Right? Fidget spinners. If I would have brought one of those in here this morning, you could have cared less. Set up a table in the back. Every one of you would walk by and go, I'm not paying for that. But you put that in the right context, you can sell millions. Oh, i got to have it. He's got one. She's got one. I need that. I mean, I'm fidgeting in class, so maybe it'll help me. No, you're just easily distracted. Materialism. What is it for you that draws you in that says, if I could work a little bit harder and make a little bit more money, then I could have this. And the more I put in my hands, the more it becomes about me, rather than the more I put in my hands, the more it becomes about giving for the glory of God, investing in the kingdom that matters forever. Watch your eyes. Because, man, it can tear up your heart. Maybe it's the love of money. But the New Testament says the love of money is it's the root of all evil. 
Watch your eyes, son. Pay attention. Above all else, make sure you guard your heart because it touches every part of your life. And then he talks about your feet. Really here the idea is, what are you pursuing? What am I pursuing? What's the path that my life is set on? What is the thing that I've determined to do? And have you already made up your mind that, like Joshua said, for me and my house will serve the Lord? That's a non-negotiable. For me, I will lay my head down at night, striving in every way to have brought glory to God, knowing that I've probably failed many times, but that's my end goal. I want to know that I've tried to be pleasing to Him. That's my evaluation before I shut my eyes and knock off for about seven or eight hours. There's just some non-negotiables you and I have got to have in our life. There's a, a path that we've got to go ahead and determine to set our life on because it's wisdom and ultimately it's going to work to protect our heart. And so don't stray. Now the Bible says we're like sheep, aren't we? All right, that's what it says. Isaiah 53, I think it's verse 6. All we like sheep have, we've gone astray. You ever watched a sheep feed? Is that saying that correctly? They'll have their head down and they'll just keep feeding to their heart's content. And their shepherd can be out there by them, but they're just feeding and they're just feeding. They're not looking up. They're just eating. And they'll keep eating and keep eating and keep eating until they get to a point where they don't know where they are. And they're in trouble. Right? And the Bible talks about this, about a shepherd having to leave all of his sheep to go find one. Why? Because it strayed. Because it just followed its appetites. It indulged in pleasure. It didn't determine that I'm going to follow wherever my shepherd goes. When he stops, I'm just waiting on him to move. I'm just going to go ahead and stray. I'm going to go ahead and wander this way a little bit. It can't be that bad because it tastes so good. Before you know it, we're a long ways away. Now, a sheep's an animal. I don't believe a sheep can have a non-negotiable, determined mind to say, I'm going to stay fixed, but I believe you and I can. So I believe when I stray, it's not God's fault, it's mine. And I've given in to pursuit of something that's not good for me, that doesn't ultimately lead to the glory of God. It may have temporary gain, but it doesn't matter eternally. So Solomon says, listen, pay attention. Go ahead and make up some, your mind about some of the ways that you're going to live. Pursue what matters most. And he says, in doing so, you're guarding your heart. And I'm guarding my heart. And so if this is some of the ways that it looks like to, to guard our heart, what I wonder is, are we tracking this way? Am I really paying attention to the Word of God? And when God says forgive, am I like, yes, I will. I don't care what you've done to me. I don't care what you do to my family, my children. I don't care what you say about me. My response will always be, I forgive you. Have you made your mind up to do that? You know, here's, if we're going to, partner with the work of the Spirit in us. We've got to pay attention to wisdom. We've got to go ahead and make guarding our heart a non-negotiable. It's top shelf priority. Above all else, I'll do this. There may be some other things that don't get done because I will do this. 
maybe there's some things you just need to go ahead and make your mind up about now before you find yourself faced with that. And then you're, you're just tracking your heart at that point. If it feels good, do it. Right? Follow your heart. That famous Hollywood line, the Hollywood line is probably a better way of saying it. Listen, we're not perfect at this and neither was the guy who wrote this. Remember Solomon? Solomon started off hot. He was passionate. He was pursuing the Lord and then his life became a wreck. And sometimes we're that way. We know what to do. We just don't apply it. We've got knowledge. We're just not demonstrating wisdom. Sometimes we're like the sheep that stray, but thankfully we've still got time on this planet where God's Spirit can draw us back and we can continue then to grow from this, learn from this. We can work better at guarding our hearts. So I just wonder, how well are you? How well are you guarding your heart? How well am I guarding my heart? Listen, this all starts with Jesus. Right? God, following Christ it's not a self-help course. You are not a DIY project. It's not behavioral modification. Do this, don't do that. It's literally being transformed at the heart. And because of that, it comes out and it affects the way I talk, the way I see, the way I predetermine how I'm going to live. And so maybe you've never received Christ as your Savior. That's where this all begins. And His promise is that He'll make a home in you. His Spirit will dwell in you. He'll begin to work this in you. And as you lean His direction, right, you'll begin to see the helps here in these areas. You'll get knowledge and you'll find the prodding of the Spirit to apply that to your life. Right, you'll find the Spirit there working uh, just to help you guard your heart against the things that seek to destroy it. You'll find the Spirit there just prodding you. Remember, this is a non-negotiable for you, so you're not going to go there. You're not going to watch that. You're not going to say that because in doing so, you're going to create damage. And so I don't know what it looks like for you, but what I know for every one of us is this is the call. Above all else, based on what you and I can do, guard your heart. Mow the grass. Do the laundry. Do your job. Work with your kids. Help a neighbor. Doctor appointment. Taking finals. All sorts of things coming up this week. What's it going to look like for you and I to put at the top of our list? Guard your heart.